You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, week one edition. I am Alex Shane here with you and my good buddy, Rich Hill. We are done breaking down the preseason, training camp, all that garbage that no one really cares about. It's time for the matters. <laughs> week one is here, Rich Hill. Hooray. Tonight, Tom Brady kicks off his eighth, seventh, tenth. I've lost track of how many Super Bowls that guy's won. Kicks off tonight against the Cowboys. The football season has finally arrived. I am so pumped, man. Oh, yeah. You know, this. they should rename the opening week of the season to the Tom Brady Classic. You know, we, we, we want to call the conference championship game the Tom Brady Invitational. The opening kickoff game should be the Tom Brady Classic. He deserves both of them. Bookends on the year. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the Bucks are hosting the Cowboys tonight at 8.20 p.m. Pretty excited for some actual football to really start. But, Alec, I have a question for you. I'm looking at this schedule for this opening week, and I just get a giant wave of confusion because I'm seeing matchups that, in my mind, make no sense at all. Uh, You have, like, the Vikings on the road against the Bengals. You have the Cardinals on the road against the Titans. The Chargers on the road against the Washington football team. And I'm seeing these, and I'm just like, I don't even know where to think. These teams are just so not on the same wavelength in my mind of when I think about football. I'm just not sure what to think of this opening week. Not only that, Rich Hill, but looking down at the matchups, we're going to break some of them down right now. I'm looking at the quarterback matchups in particular for a lot of these teams. And for the majority of these games, we are seeing either one or two completely new quarterbacks under center and who were there last year. It's almost like 2020 was kind of like a – the old Nintendo games, you push the reset button and you start off playing again when you're losing too bad and mad. I see it all the time. <laughs> I my friends nuts. There's always new quarterbacks. It's a lot of new matchups. And with any week one season, we have no clue what to expect. It's going to take at least a month of September, possibly a little beyond as teams to figure out who they are and what their identity is, et cetera, et cetera. But I think this year, more than many years past, it's going to be a lot of question marks all across the NFL. Oh, totally, totally. And so with that in mind, there's a couple games that I do think are worthy of attention. But before we go into kind of what we are looking for as like the the top matchup to watch this week, uh, we have the Steelers on the road against the Bills at 1 p.m. on Sunday. That's a game that, you know, three years ago, no one would have wanted to watch. But now you have the Bills who are like just regarded universally as the second best team in the conference or, you know, maybe third with the, the Chiefs and the Ravens. And they're here to really emphasize that last year was not a fluke. That Josh Allen's growth and ascension as one of the elite quarterbacks in the league is sustainable and not just a one-time thing. And so watching the Bills host the Steelers will definitely get my attention. Uh, But what is one game that you're going to be watching out for? I never thought I'd say this, Rich Hill, but the Cleveland Browns are on my list of teams I'm going to watch for this weekend. They're playing the same time as the Patriots, so I'm not going to be tuning in too closely, but they're going to Arrowhead and playing the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Browns are one of those teams that had a breakout year last year. They should be better this year than last year, given the full offseason and the acquisitions they made. The Chiefs are obviously defending their AFC title. They're not Super Bowl champions, courtesy of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but I think Browns-Chiefs is a week one matchup that could ironically have playoff implications down the line which is wild to me but it's wild. true it's true the browns are one of those rising teams they had their first 
legitimate year in a very long time where people looked at them as not a laughing stock. So congrats to the Browns. I hope they're able to sustain that and carry it forward into this year. Uh, Alec, you mentioned a lot of quarterbacks being in new situations, and I wanted to ask you what your feelings are on a couple of them. So first one, I'm going to list three, uh, but I'd like to get your reaction on each of them. You have the Jets on the road against the Panthers, where Panthers quarterback is old friend Sam Darnold, who the Panthers acquired from the Jets this offseason. What is your thought on that game? What I'm hoping the NFL did with this game was they realized that there's something that happened throughout the course of history where the Jets simply aren't allowed to have a good quarterback. It's <laughs> never going to happen. And so maybe if they pit the Jets against their old quarterback from the season before, whatever bad juju is going to befall Zach Wilson over his career will just kind of stay with Sam Darnold and maybe they'll have a <laughs> shot. And if that doesn't work and Zach Wilson gets cut, whatever Zach Wilson, whatever team he's on in a couple of years, the Jets will play them. They're going to keep trying this until something happens. That's my only theory, because otherwise, why would they get this matchup? Oh, it's true. I mean, to a testament to Sam Darnold is that when he's asked why he wasn't able to succeed as the Jets quarterback, he didn't blame the fact that the Jets did a horrendous job lining talent around him, giving him the support that he needs, getting a competent head coach. I mean, Adam Gase is one of the worst head coaches in recent memory. And so the situation was just set up for him to fail there. But when asked why he didn't succeed, Sam Darnold said, you know what, I just didn't do enough to to make it work out. And so for that reason, I'm hoping that the Panthers beat the Jets, not because I want the Jets to lose. Obviously, I'm not that petty, but I I, I want (laughs) Sam Darnold to succeed. Uh, Other two quarterbacks that are kind of related, and so I'm going to present them to you at the same time. You have Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions hosting the San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo as well as the Chicago Bears on the road against the Matt Stafford-led Los Angeles Rams. How and what is going through your mind uh, when you think of these two new quarterbacks that had been with their teams for a considerable amount of time uh, or been with their old teams that are now starting to lead new organizations? Rich, what was that show... It may still be on the air. This awful reality reality show where was it called Wife Swap? Is that the show? Is that what it was called? Yeah, Wife Swap. Wife Swap. I don't think I've maybe I'm sure it's happened in the past. I cannot remember in my football watching career where basically the NFL team did a wife swap. I'll give you my quarterback, you take our quarterback, and hopefully this new system will cause it to work for them. Uh, if one of these two quarterbacks is going to succeed, it's going to be Stafford with the Rams because again the Lions. Much like the Jets, they're just never going to go anywhere. They're cursed by the NFL gods. It's a very, very weird thing to see. And I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around the Nat Stafford Rams. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. It doesn't really add up. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think that Stafford is the better quarterback when you look at the two. But it's hard to say, you know, Stafford uh, in this situation with McVay, with just great wide receivers around him with a great offensive mind leading this team as well as a complimentary strong defense he's never been a part of such a complete roster before and so he has no excuses anymore i think that he will be put in a position to thrive in this offense and you know with it being a 17 game season i wouldn't be surprised if he was pushing 6000 yards by the end of the year just because how great his arm is uh, and the fact that I think he'll have a huge chip on his shoulder and a lot to prove whereas on the other side I think Goff was a product of that great offensive mind I think he obviously has some skill uh, no doubt he was an MVP candidate a couple years back but that said 
the Dan Campbell led and head coach Detroit Lions is not inspiring. It's they don't have a good roster around him. Goff is there as kind of a sacrificial lamb uh, because the Lions, you know, they needed to have a quarterback in exchange for Matt Stafford. And Goff, you know, to his credit, is that middle of the road guy. Uh, you know, he can elevate if he's surrounded by the right talent. I don't think he is with Detroit, and I, I think that will head out of this season thinking that the Rams just pulled a huge one over on the Lions. Speaking of pulling a huge one over, Rich Hill, while we're talking about quarterbacks, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you are my hero. You are now starting for your record ninth team, despite having never made a playoffs. Good for you. Congratulations with your stint in Washington. You've now played for the Rams, Bengals, Bills, Titans, Texans, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins, and now Washington. I don't know how you do it. You're 38 years old. That amazingly though, like the NFC East is such like a weird, trashy kind of odd division. Like <laughs> they have a shot to possibly win it. Ryan Fitzpatrick could finally take a team to the playoffs as the starter for his ninth franchise. So my hat is off to you, my good sir. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's only had two winning seasons in his entire career. Uh, one of them being last year, and uh, he lost his job, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, no, he—he, he, uh, I wish nothing but the best for him. I love hearing Bill Belichick talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick because you got to appreciate that hustle, and I, I think Belichick does. I, you know, you look at Fitzpatrick; he's not an elite quarterback. He can give you an elite quarter, uh, and, and then you'll you'll see the you know the Fitz tragic take place. But he's someone that just brings so much fun to the field. You know, it's like Brett Favre without the consistency or without the height of the career where you're out there. And you know what? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick can make any possible throw that will break the game. But I can't expect him just to continue to move the chains on any given drive. And for that reason alone, he's a the ultimate wild card quarterback. And as they are hosting the Los Angeles Chargers with young guy Justin Herbert, I hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, Herbert is also part of that ascending youngster crew that I hope Fitzpatrick is able to elevate and go toe for toe with him. Oh, it'd be so great. It'd be so great to see, you know, he's, he's he'll do just enough to get benched midway through the season and then start for his 10th team next year. That's what I'm hoping happens for him. Good luck to with everybody in the NFL, but especially Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's funny. You mentioned he lost his job. Um, as a quarterback, he lost his job last season playing for the Miami Dolphins. Lost to Tua Tagovailoa, who is who the Patriots are lining up across from <clears throat> as they open their season at home against the Dolphins at 4:25 p.m. Uh, I want to break down the game with you, of course, Rich Hill. But first, a little bit of housekeeping to get to in terms of Patriots news. New England has officially announced their captains for the season. They're going with five of them: James White, David Andrews, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, and of course. Patriots Hall of Famer to be Matthew Slater. Uh, they went down in number last year from their team captains. They had a lot more last year. Uh, any thoughts on the captains and the reason to reduce the number of them? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So part of what changed last year, I mean, obviously it was a COVID-affected year. Last year they had eight captains. Uh, Lawrence Guy was one of them. Juwan Bentley was one of them. And then two players no longer on the team, and Cam Newton and Nate Jason McCourty uh, were no longer with the team. So obviously two of them leaving made sense, but the Patriots made a decision to, uh, you know, not make, not renew Guy and Bentley as captains. Bentley makes sense. Hightower opted out due to COVID. He is back and he has reassumed his captaincy, which makes perfect sense. I don't think anyone would question why you would put Hightower at captain over Bentley. So that works. So the only real question is why would Lawrence Guy no longer be captain? 
And I think in part it's, uh, you know, he tested free agency and that's just kind of how it works. Uh, he was a late signing to the Patriots uh, to return, uh, you know, after Devon Godshaw and a few other players came back. And so from a leadership position from the Patriots, I can see them being like, okay, if we're not going to have an extra offensive captain, we're not going to find a reason to put Guy back at captain. So, you know, if Mac Jones became captain which he didn't and i think it's completely reasonable then i could see the patriots being like okay we have a secondary person in mccordy we have a linebacker in hightower let's put guy at captain or whoever we want the defensive line captain to be but because there is not a corresponding extra captain on offense there's no need to put the guy who signed a little bit later with the patriots at that captain spot that makes a lot of sense and again team captain i think means a lot to a lot of people i don't know if guy is pissed off about it i doubt it uh, i think when you look at the captains who are on the team right now it's hard to argue given the tenure the leadership etc so uh, i like it i think it's a good move to five very solid captains a very deep team and they will be out for the coin toss hopefully they win the coin toss and defer that is always my preferred way to go kick off till next year especially because i feel like if you're going to match these teams up, the Miami Dolphins and the Patriots, I like this Patriots defensive matchup against this, uh, the Dolphins offensive matchup. Tua has had some troubles with them. He's beaten them. So this would be kind of like the rubber match, so to speak. Uh, I'm very curious to see uh, how this defensive front lines up against a Dolphins offensive line, which is struggling a little bit, and running backs who are good but not great. Yeah, I totally agree. So looking at this this Dolphins roster, they're going to have their old friend Devontae Parker out at wide receiver, and he's going to be joined by Jalen Waddle and Jakeem Grant as the starters. Uh, they also have Mac Hollins, who's one of their uh, captains, and Albert Wilson, who's another slot receiver option, who has given the Patriots trouble in the past. You add in Mike Jacecki at tight end, uh, as well as Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown out of the backfield at running back, and you have a pretty solid offensive skill group that can support Tua in a way that like could give the Patriots a little bit of trouble. You know, with Stephon Gilmore on the pup, you have J.C. Jackson taking over that leading spot. But then the secondary is a little bit shallower as it relates to talent. So will Jalen Mills, who's dealing with a current injury, be able to step up into that second cornerback spot? Or will Jonathan Jones have to emerge? What is the What are the Patriots going to do at that cornerback position? Because historically, the Dolphins receivers do give the Patriots a little bit of challenge. Uh, and so that's definitely worth monitoring. But... On the other side, as you mentioned, their offensive line at, of the Dolphins is not in a great spot. Austin Jackson, their projected starting left tackle, is on the COVID reserves list, so he's not able to play. And they are trying to move uh, Jesse Ta Davis, one of their uh, team captains as well, but their historical right tackle, over to the left tackle spot and put uh, Liam Eichenberg or Greg Little at that right tackle spot. So that just to say that their offensive line is a little bit in flux right now. <laughs> Adding to the fact that this is not a good offensive line. You have Solomon Kindley, Michael Dieter, and Robert Hunt as the other interior linemen. And this is not a group of world beaters. This is a, uh, an offensive line where you look at this Patriots defense in front seven as presently the strength of the defense, where they have a lot of, of very strong pass rushers, some very savvy second-level players in Hightower uh, and Judon and Van Noy that could give an inexperienced and not very good offensive line fits. So... If the Patriots are going to beat this Dolphins team, it's going to be because this defensive front seven was way too much for this Dolphins offensive line to handle. 
that is why, Richo, I'm going with Devon Godshaw as my defensive X-Factor. Mm. Not because he's the guy that's going to get all the sacks and all the pressures, but I feel like a, a 6'4", 315-pound defensive tackle is going to require at least one or two double teams on a weak offensive line, which will open up a lot of possibilities for those pass rushes you mentioned. You can get very creative with your blitz packages, with your rush schemes, when you have a tackle like Godshaw in the middle there eating up that space the way that Vince Wilfork used to do so well. So I feel like as, as creative as they may get defensively in the actual personnel they march out there, I feel like with Godshaw, uh, it'll allow them a lot of flexibility and room to do some creative things to stymie a, not a rookie quarterback, but a second-year man who may have not seen everything else to throw at him. Oh, I, I like that. I like that choice. Also, it's a little bit of a grudge match. Uh, Devon Godshaw is a yeah. former member of the Dolphins, so for him to go off against his old team would be very poetic. Uh, I agree. I mean, I'm staying with that defensive front seven, obviously, because I think that the Patriots secondary could be a little overmatched, and I don't see them necessarily having a particular player in mind that could be the difference between the Patriots winning and losing. Where I do think a player could do that is on that defensive front seven with Matthew Judon. Uh, Judon was just a nightmare for opposing teams in the preseason, and he is someone that if he can wreak havoc on this Dolphins offensive line and really take over a game, I think that he can force Tua to make some bad throws, to see ghosts, and really disrupt the entire Dolphins game plan uh, if he's able to sustain what he was doing during the preseason. And so I, I think that the Patriots pass rush specifically with Judon is going to be the X factor for me well if judon can replicate any of his preseason action that's a that's a good pick and i'm excited to see what he brings to the table uh rich you mentioned the secondary and how there's no one in the secondary is going to really break the game open one way or another given stefan gilmore being out given jc jackson moving into that number one role given the tight ends that the dolphins have do you see jc jackson on Devontae parker maybe kyle duggar on jasicki is that how you'd match these guys up yeah so the way that i would line it up so because you would have Jonathan Jones as your traditional slot cornerback, I, I think that he is the one that would go up against Jakeem Grant. Uh, you know, he's the speedster. Uh, and I know that Jalen Waddell is a huge deep threat. And so that's why I would put J.C. Jackson on Jalen Waddell, because J.C. Jackson is the best deep ball defender in the entire league. And that would leave the Patriots with a huge question mark against Devontae Parker, who has given the Patriots trouble in the past. Uh, and so if he's going to be out there, I would expect the Patriots to put someone like JoJuan Williams uh, with safety help uh, in coverage of Devontae Parker. So I could see that being a big game for Devin McCourty to help uh, make sure that the Dolphins don't get a big play over the top uh, with Devontae Parker and that uh, Joe John Williams is really going to have a trial by fire here. <laughs> when it comes to Jacecki, I do think that Duggar will get coverage of him with Adrian Phillips playing a little bit more of that linebacker position uh, it, and when he is on the field, uh, just to give the Patriots some additional coverage support because Miles Gaskin is such a fast running back. He, he is a speedster. Yeah. He's a home run threat anytime he hits the ball, and I just don't want the Patriots to ever have a situation where Gaskin's in the open field against a linebacker. Patriots have always struggled, not always, have recently struggled with running backs who can catch out of the backfield, those wheel routes, those hitch routes, and they've torn up a little bit in the past, but I, I like that as well. Uh, again, I, I think overall, if I had to give the edge to the Dolphins offense versus Patriots defense, I would give the edge to the Patriots defense, mainly because, as you mentioned, that offensive line is already weak and they're, they're banged up due to COVID. So I think they can really get some pressure on Tua and disrupt that entire offensive scheme. Uh, on the flip side, though, Rich Hill, this Patriots offense going up against this Dolphins defense, I've always said this is going to be a running first team, whether it was Cam Newton or Mac Jones. Uh, I have no, nothing has happened recently that's going to cause me to change that. But 
Mac Jones is getting his first NFL start. Uh, there's a big difference between preseason and regular season. I'm sure he's a little nervous. I'm sure he's excited. He's at home, which is a nice way to ease into things a little bit. But looking at the initial Patriots offense versus Dolphins defense matchup, what stands out to you most, Rich? Oh, man. What stands out to me most is how stacked this Dolphins secondary is. Let me just run through this uh, old friend group of the Dolphins. They're starting cornerbacks because the Dolphins run a 3-3-5. We're very familiar with it. Brian Flores uh, is their leader at head coach. Well, they'll likely play a little bit of the, the bear front as well. Um, but their starting three cornerbacks are Justin Coleman, Byron Jones, and Xavier Howard, which, for my money, is the best cornerback trio in the entire league at this point in time. Jones and Howard are both bona fide number one guys, and Coleman is a couple years removed from being the best slot corner in the entire league. So there is a ton of talent at that cornerback spot. And then you go to that safety position. You have Jason McCourty and Eric Rowe, uh, two former Patriots. McCourty and Rowe uh, are guys that can cover extremely well. So there's not going to be any advantage that you can get from the tight end matchups that you might get against a less coverage savvy safety pairing. So the Patriots with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are not going to have that same uh, sort of impact that they might have against a team with weaker coverage safeties. So in my mind, I don't see a particular matchup that the Patriots win from a skill player position uh, in the passing game. So that is what stands out to me most because for exactly the reason that you said, I expect the Patriots just to run the ball as much as possible because there is a mismatch with the Dolphins defensive front seven against the Patriots rushing attack with a potent offensive line with much better run blockers at the tight end spot than the Dolphins have in their secondary and so I expect the Patriots to get into their heavy fronts uh, and, and try and just run the ball as much as they can against a Dolphins defensive front that's definitely not as strong. Totally agree with that, Rich. Again, even if this was a Tom Brady kind of 2007 Patriots with the high-flying, well, they'd probably pass a lot more. But in the most sense, this is a just textbook game when you run the ball a lot more. The Patriots wide receivers, there's really nobody on this roster that's going to break the game open at all. There just isn't. It's funny. If they wanted to go with a five wide receiver set right now, they need to do Aguilar, Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Gunner, and Matthew Slater. Because those are the only five wide receivers on the entire team. So you're not going to see any five wide receiver sets. I think I feel pretty safe saying. However, I think if they can get enough of the passing game going to keep the defense honest, maybe a couple of outs to maybe Jacoby Myers in the slot, a couple to Gunner, maybe on some screens, send Aguilar deep a couple of times just to keep the defense honest and open the middle field a little bit for the the tight end so they can't just stack the box. I can definitely see both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, if he plays, I think he should, dealing with a dislocated thumb, I believe. Um, I think both those guys can have an absolute field day against this Dolphins defense. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, so you, when you look at this Dolphins defensive front, they are – you know, there's a pretty clear reflection mirror of the Patriots defense under Brian Flores. So you have Emmanuel Ogba very clearly taking over for the Trey Flowers role. You have Andrew Van Ginkle taking over for the Kyle Van Noy role. You have the Landon Roberts and the Dante Hightower spot. And then you have Jerome Baker and what Jamie Collins was playing uh, under uh, Brian Flores. And then when you go towards that defensive line, you have Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins in very much the, the Lawrence Sky, Allen Branch kind of combo. And so, where the defensive front is weaker, 
is that they're just not as heavy. Jerome Baker is light. Landon Roberts can be misled. Uh, you know, that was his biggest weakness when he was on the Patriots is that he bit a lot on play action. And so then you have Andrew Van Ginkle who will be playing towards the line of scrimmage, but he is a little bit stronger of a pass rusher than he is as a run defender. And so when you think of how are the Patriots going to attack them, you just put all of the size of that Patriots defensive line with Isaiah Wynn, with Michael Onwenu, David Andrews, uh, Shaq Mason, and then Trent Brown, you have about 10,000 pounds of guy uh, <laughs> on that offensive line where you add in Hunter Henry, you add in Johnny Smith, you add in, you know, Jakob Johnson or whoever you want out there. You put in Devin Asiasi just because, and then you put in the 250-pound Ramondre Stevenson, thumb or not. There is not a Dolphins defender that will be able to withstand that amount of size and blocking ability. And so, sure, the Patriots have to pray that their defense can avoid any sort of home run from this Dolphins passing attack. But on the other side of it, the Patriots are in a position, in my mind, to inflict their will upon this Dolphins defensive front seven to the point where... You know, if the Dolphins ever get into an over heavy set, you know, if to just stop the run, if they have to bring on some extra linebackers, that could make them very vulnerable to a possible huge play down the field for a Nelson Aguilar if he's, you know, not super limited by his injury, uh, or even just a running back in the flat, just making a lot of yards after the catch. So, Richelle, would it be safe to say then that you see the two new shiny tight ends the Patriots brought in in the offseason used in this game much more along the offensive line as blockers and chippers as opposed to real passing options? I do. I do. I, yeah, just because I don't think that the Patriots are going to come into this game with a rookie quarterback thinking that their tight ends are going to be the focal point of the passing attack. That said, that absolutely said that if the Patriots are going to be entering this game with a run-first mentality, my X Factor is obviously and easily, without apology, going to be Mac Jones. Because... Mac Jones is going to have to make some plays in order for them to win. You know, it, it's not like he's just going to be riding the bus the entire game. He's going to have to go out there and convert at least four third downs in order for the Patriots to win this game. That's a very arbitrary number out there. But he's going to be have to be able to be the guy when his number is called, and that will be extremely difficult against such a talented Dolphins secondary. Can he do it? I've not seen anything to make me bet against him yet, but we've never seen him go against the caliber of players that the Dolphins have. And so hopefully the Patriots will be able to establish the run enough to the point where Mac Jones will be able to capitalize on an overrun, you know, jumpy defensive front of the Dolphins. Tell you, I think Mac Jones is a very accurate and very safe X-Factor pick for the rest of the season. Right? Yeah. I'll never begrudge you if you want to pick Mac Jones because, again, who knows what to expect out of this kid. He is a rookie, and I expect absolute growing pain. He's going to have some awful games. He's probably going to cost the team wins over the course of the season, and that is totally fine as long as he learns and grows, and I think that's a great X-Factor. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. I'm going to stick with him. Uh, again, your injury is, a, is something to monitor, but I think Nelson Aguilar could be the X-Factor that, that makes this offense go. Not that he's going to have like a you know a six catch 130 power 130 30 yard two TD game, but if he's in a scenario where he can run a couple of deep routes, maybe get a couple of targets that even if they don't connect, they have to keep factoring them in, keep it in the back of their mind. Having somebody like that on the field that can stress the field a little bit, make some deep posts, use that middle of the field well, that'll really open up the run game because the Dolphins are starting to stuff the run game and they force the Patriots to pass it they're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I need someone like Aguilar. If not Aguilar, maybe Jacoby Myers. He's not really a deep threat, but somebody on the offensive receiving core that can go deep, 
take the top off, push the safeties back, and force the run game, force the the linebackers into and the cornerbacks not to play so close to the line. So while the offensive line will be where the battle is won, the war could be won on those deep threats that that force to keep defense honest. Yeah, that's a good point. And that that was one of Amy <clears throat> Adams' favorite idioms was, uh, you know, you got to make them defend every inch of the field, and therefore the Patriots can't just rely on plugging the middle of the field. Uh, with their their beefy guys, they got to take advantage of the rest of it to soften the defensive front. So, very interested to see how that plays out. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on these mashups, or do you want to go into our predictions? Yeah, man, let's do this. I'm excited to actually predict what it matters. Uh, you went a stunning three and zero in the preseason, Rich Hill, by rolling with the Patriots. So good work. Which means I went zero and three, picking against you just to be a contrarian. So you have the honor of the very first pick of the 2021 season. Patriots hosting the Miami Dolphins, 425 p.m. Who you got? Ooh, this is going to be a hard one. Um, Alec, I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. I, I think that wow. for everything that I've laid out, this is still a Patriots team that is coming off of its worst season in two decades. It is a Patriots team that definitely revamped their entire roster this offseason, there's no question, but they haven't had time to gel yet. This is a team that at week one of the regular season is going to be worlds different from how they appear in week eight. Whereas this Dolphins team is a lot more put together. You see a lot of similar faces this year that they had in those positions last year. This is a team that has had a little bit more consistency throughout the roster. It is a team that has the best secondary, arguably in the entire league in my mind, going up against a Patriots passing attack that does not have that to say. So this is a team that, you know, the Patriots secondary could be a little bit weaker against this Dolphins passing attack. This is a game where I think if the Dolphins can get a little bit of a lead, then the Patriots won't have the ability to catch up. And for that reason, I think it's more likely than not that the Dolphins will win this game. It won't be a blowout. I think it'll be a close one. I'm going with the Dolphins winning this one 24-20. to 24-20 Dolphins. After picking the Patriots all preseason, Rich Hill, heel turn. Oh, yeah. He's now the bad guy. All right. Well, that <laughs> makes it easier for my my kind of breaking down who wins the prediction battle next week. I'm picking the Patriots to win this game. Uh, I think it is a scenario where the Patriots and Dolphins split almost every year. The Pats are traveling to Miami. I think the last game of the year in January, that's going to be one of those games that just doesn't bode well for the Patriots. Maybe there's a playoff spot in the line. They just tend to lose in Miami and win at home. I'm going to go with that. I think they run the ball a lot. Again, I think that, that matchup between the Patriots running game and the Dolphins front seven, that heavily favors the Patriots. Belichick has had a lot of time to prep for this. He cut Kim Newton, started Mac Jones with whatever game plan he has in mind against this Dolphins team. Maybe if the Patriots were hosting the Dolphins in week eight or week 10, I'd be singing a different tune. But I think given the preparation time, the the overall kind of vibe of the team, the only real thing that could screw me over is if Mac Jones comes out and he's got those rookie jitters and he just plays terribly. But I think he looks composed enough that he can do just enough for him to win. The defense keeps being close. And the Patriots win this one 27-10. I like that. I think that, you know, this is a fair one. Uh, it's a fair matchup. And so, Alec, I'm very excited to finally be heading into the actual regular season of a new year with you. Do you have any final thoughts on week one of the 2021 NFL season? We're on to Miami. All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Hey, man.